unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. And please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? It is Christopher Roush. It is the Raw and Unscripted Show. It is Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, your place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Thank you guys all for being here, whether you're live or on the replay, whether you're live on the video cast or listening to the podcast, wherever podcasts are sold. Thank you guys so much for coming back again for another week, for another content-rich episode that is surely going to uh, have you thinking to yourself, holy shit, I can do it too. So just mark me on my words with that. When you, when you get to the end of the show tonight, you're going to think, you know, I can do it too. If these guys can do it, if these guys can actually be raw and vulnerable and talk about their emotions and their feelings and talk about their down points and how it is that they redevelop their mindset to be working for them, um, you're going to be able to do that too. So uh, fasten your seatbelts, make sure you have something to take notes with. And uh, just a couple of little things before we get started. Thank you guys all for being here. We got Jacqueline Rose in the house, uh, my Irish sister from another Miss Mister uh, Misfits for Life. She says, keep up the good work. It's only good work. Come on now. It's got to be great work. Isn't it great work? I mean, isn't it like fucking bitching work? This is not good work. Come on, really? Come on, give me some kudos. Give me some kudos. We got my sister, my beautiful sister from another mister. I saw your, your video today. I thought that was awesome that you braved through that. Um, Debbie Bettendorf is here. She says, one of my besties right here. Thank you, darling. Mwah. I love you. I appreciate you. We got Glenda Wright in the house. I was just actually thinking about you, Glenda. It's good to see you. Thank you for being here. It's been a minute. She says, hey, y'all. And uh, Debbie again says, hey, my friend Christopher. So uh, one of my besties right here, I'm not sure if that, I'm your bestie, right? Am I your bestie? We trade makeup tips and talk about uh, different types of underwear and undergarments. Isn't that a bestie? Um, I have a lot of girlfriends and they've told me a lot of things in my life, like girlfriends, not girlfriends. I've had a lot of girlfriends too, but don't tell my wife. No, no, no. I only have one girlfriend now and she's my wife. I'm a good boy. So thank you guys all for being here. Appreciate you. Um, we got a lot of stuff coming happening here in uh, Ron and Scripted Land and also in... Um, and just in life, just raw and scripted, and uh, and everything that's going on. As you guys know, I am uh, I am almost complete with this beautiful manuscript. It's just you and me, kid. A story of a mother and son's survival on the streets of Southern California. I've got 170,000 words done. It probably might be as big. This is actually Dave Grohl's book, by the way. Um, it probably will be as big as this or bigger, but I'm actually going to uh, streamline down the words a little bit so it's a, it's more affordable. Make it like a $20 book instead of a $75 book with all my stories in it. So uh, what I'm going to be doing is doing a bestseller campaign. And, uh, and part of that is going to be asking you guys to go to my website and fill out your name and your email so I can have you guys as part of this private select group. So that when the book goes live, you guys are going to go buy it and help me make bestseller status. But not only that, I'm going to give you guys a ton of added bonuses. So when you guys do that for me and you show me that you've purchased that book on that day, I will give you a ton of bonuses. And so my web guy right now is actually updating the website so I can send you there. So just be prepared because that book is going to be coming out in uh, probably the fall early fall. That's what I'm intending on. So I'm super excited about it. It's been a labor of love. It's been a labor of pain in my ass to go back and visit all the different years of physical abuse, uh, psychological abuse, mental, I mean, everything, every type of abuse you can imagine aside from sexual abuse, thank God that not that I'm aware of. Um, and just be able to go back and revisit all those, those painful memories and really look back on my life with, with great, 
satisfaction and great appreciation because I'll tell you this, I'll share this with you before we get into our, before we get into our interview tonight, we have an amazing interview for, uh, for you guys tonight and ladies, you're going to have some, some little eye candy. So, uh, get prepared for that, you know, go get yourself a, a tissue or something like that. Cause we got a good looking dude coming up. Um, so as I was, you know, finishing up the book, I've, I've written it and now I've gone back and I reread it and made some final, uh, made some slight edits. And on Friday I was sitting out on my patio reading essentially what is the last chapter. So the last chapter um, is very poignant and I won't give it away. Um, but in there, I started like thinking about um, the music that my mom liked. And there was this always this one song that I that I knew of, that I knew she loved, but I never really um, thought about it. And um, and what I wanted to make sure of, or what I, what I was thinking about was um, thinking about the idea of let me figure out what this other song is because music is such an integral part of our lives. Right. And you think about the soundtrack of our lives. I grew up. One of the things I'm thankful for my mother doing is, is surrounding me with music for my entire life. I literally was vaccinated by a phonograph needle. And so there was this one song and I wanted to put it in the book because there's certain segments of the book where I put music to whatever it is I'm going through. So it kind of takes you on a little time roll of the seventies music, the eighties music. And, uh, and so in there I captured like four or five of my mom's favorite songs. And there was this one song that I was trying to think about. And then also I remember, oh yeah, it was something like long, long time. It was like Joni Mitchell or Joan Baez or something like that. You know, the folk singers of the seventies. And so I just typed in long, long time plus lyric. And sure enough, Linda Ronstadt came up. I started listening to the song. I'm like, yep, that's exactly the one. And the thing about it guys is that I remember my mom singing that song very specifically, very intentionally. She wasn't a very good singer, but she would be very, very meaningful and accentuate the words. And basically it's a song to somebody that, you know, they love, but doesn't love them and doesn't want them in their life. And you're constantly longing for them. And the, the, the words in the, in the song are really, really painful. And so when I was listening to the song, you know, as I'm, as I'm, I'm reading the final couple of chapters of my book, you know, I start feeling a little emotional. So I'm like, if my mom thought this song was so important, let me go check out the lyrics of this song and really see what the story is about. Why was this song so important? And my mom was very much into lyrics. So I pull up the lyrics and I get chills when I think about this. Um, so hopefully I won't cry. Um, don't cry. So I put the song on and it's a super sad song and I start reading the lyrics and all of a sudden something came over me. I was like, wow, my mom was such a hurt person. You know, she constantly was hurt. She was constantly trying to cover up for that. And in that process, I tried to decide who that song was actually for. It's basically somebody wanting somebody. And I didn't think it was for my sister's uh, 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 father who was, you know, married to my mom before I came along. I have a different biological father. And I'm like, well, maybe it was my biological father because I've, I've seen notes in some of her personal items that suggest that maybe she had a crush on him. And he was a married man with a family of his own. And so I was thinking as she was, you know, find out she was pregnant with me, she was cheating on, uh, he was cheating on his wife with, with my mom. And I was thinking, well, maybe she decided, you know, she was going to do a, have an abortion or something like that. Cause she had told me she had abortions and miscarriages. I thought maybe she didn't have any abortion to use me as leverage to potentially get this guy away from his family. I mean, we've, we've heard that before, you know, unfortunately some of those situations have happened. And, uh, so I was thinking like, okay, maybe she, maybe she didn't have the abortion to try to use me as leverage. And then maybe when she found out that he wasn't going to leave her, leave her wife, leave his wife, that that's when she decided to place me for adoption. Cause originally she was going to place me for adoption. So as I'm reading the lyrics to the song, I'm crying my eyes out and I'm just realizing, and I'm having so much sympathy and empathy and understanding for my mom, because it suddenly dawned on me that I wasn't wanted. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not like her and her husband were like, oh, let's have a baby and start a family. We're so excited. We'll, we'll dress in the nursery. My mom was 26 years old. She already had a seven-year-old daughter. So she was pregnant at 17 from another guy. She was very promiscuous. And so I was thinking, wow, if I wasn't wanted and I was sitting here expecting this person to be a mother in my life, 
that's pretty crazy. You know, I, I, had, I had false expectations. She did the best she could with what she had. Unfortunately, um, the experiences that I had helped me become the man I am today. And I'm very proud of that. So I just offer you guys that story because sometimes when we're not really think when we're thinking too hard about something, it doesn't come to us. But sometimes when we kind of dig into the weeds about something about our parents or something about somebody that perhaps has wronged us, we can find a different perspective to see about them. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. You know, I'm always sharing shit with you guys. Uh, so I hope that helps. But there is a lot of amazing nuggets in this book. I'm super excited for you guys to have it. It's been, uh, uh, like I said, a labor of a pain and labor, like trying to birth a basketball through my urethra if you guys could put a visual on that um anyways don't picture my urethra um so we got uh natalie in the house what's up natalie thank you for being here um debbie says here i'm so excited about your book thank you thank you thank you we got valerie smith dtm oh we got distinguished toastmaster in the house she says hi christopher great to be here thank you thank you thank you appreciate that i was in toastmasters for a while now i'm in toasted masters which is a whole nother thing i won't tell you about that uh we got uh jacqueline rose it's actually a speaking group it's just called that um, and then Glenda says here, I have a lot of, uh, flashback going on. Uh, oh, I have a lot of flashback going sun. Um, well, thank you for that, Linda. I appreciate that. I hope everything's going well with everything. Oh, she has, I have, I'm having flashbacks with songs. There we go. And then we got, uh, Jeffrey, John Wolf. Oh, Hey, what's up, Jeff Wolf. I appreciate you. You have, uh, if you're the same Jeff Wolf, you're, you've changed it to Jeffrey John instead of Jeffrey Wolf. But I think that might be somebody who knows, uh, our guest. We've got Sue Andrews in the house. Thank you for being here. So without any further ado, um, I met this gentleman, uh, through the, uh, owl app. It's uh, something I've talked about here on the show. I haven't talked about it too much recently, but basically it's an app where, uh, essentially if you're looking for an expert, you can actually call these, uh, experts who are online. It's almost like a telethon in a way you can call an expert on real estate and call an expert on mindset coaching You can call an expert on social media. You can call all these different experts. And for, you know, five, 10 bucks for 10 minutes, you could talk to them and ask them questions. And so, um, we've, a lot of us on the app have called each other and talked to each other. And this particular gentleman called me one day and we had a, just a fantastic conversation. We really vibed together. And I was like, man, you gotta be on my show. I think we'd have a great time together. So please welcome to the Ron and Scripted show, Mr. Sean Dodd. What's going on, Sean, brother. Thank you. Oh, for brother. It's good to see show. you. Long time coming. Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing tonight? I am awesome as always. Awesome. I appreciate you for being here and, and with, and withstanding my opening monologue there. I never know quite what I'm going to say, but I just let it flow from the heart and just excited to have you here and appreciate you. So my first question or first thing I want to show people is, and I normally don't do this, but I want to just take an opportunity to kind of share people your unique creativeness on TikTok. I want to give, I want to give people just a little, little taste of Sean Dodd. Um, and uh, so bear with me for just a second, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to share my screen here. So you guys are going to be able to see this. And uh, let's see, da, da, da. So I just want to share a couple of Sean's amazing videos here. Let's go with this one. Let's go with this one. Hopefully the video. Yeah, yeah. He's so creative. Watch this. Watch this, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. <laughs> it's like magic. Watch. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Boom. Look at that. That beautiful smile, that shocking, beautiful grin. Uh, let's see. Here's what's what, what's another one we got here. Oh, we got this one. This one. I love this one. That's my friend. Yeah. <laughs> he got me to wear a kilt, so I had to do something funny. Uh huh. Did you like the kilt? Yeah, actually, I really did. I really did like the kilt. My wife's family is from are from Scotland, so they were uh, they were digging this. So yeah, I love that. Um, you just do so many creative videos that that are also, I mean, also you're just like bringing people together and bringing people in awareness. Um, I won't show you that one. Yeah. 
I love this one. You know, a tribute to your battle buddy who came to see you. Yeah. I mean, this is this was beautiful as well. Talk to me about that. You know, uh, my son called him up for one of my birthdays a few years back, and and uh, he just showed up, and it was awesome. It was badass. It was this was just all raw footage, completely. You know, I, I curse quite a bit. <laughs> well, that's, no, you're, you're you're good on this show, that's for sure. So you had no idea. Yeah, no, no clue. It was uh, it was awesome. And uh, you know, when since then we've actually gone on national television shows for this story. Um, so the story went made uh, worldwide news and what have you because we just haven't seen each other for so long, and we both had you know very similar issues where you've got those few people in the world that you feel like you can tell everything to, and that's that's Jesse. Dude, that's amazing. I, I just want to encourage people to go follow you, Iron Ranger 023 on TikTok. I mean, there's so many other videos that you have done and they're so creative and I just have mad respect for you. Um, so talk to us. So, so Iron Ranger, so where does that come from? What, what is that all about? Yeah, when I was in the army, I had a, I was a mechanized infantryman when I first went in and that was with the Bradley fighting vehicle. So it's like tanks that roll in and then they drop off troops. So it's infantry, but uh, with these smaller, smaller cannons with tanks. And then um, I worked really hard and busted my ass and went to Airborne Ranger School and then fought some battles in between. So I went to Iraq. I had this, I, I was one of very few uh, people who could do mechanized and ground infantry. So it was very, you know, to have that, that, that seasonality behind me. So my commander uh, at the time in Iraq gave me the call sign on the radios, Iron Ranger, because uh, he thought it was cool. And, uh, when I, uh, when I was leaving Iraq, the day I left Iraq, I was in the air and uh, most of my unit was two weeks behind me because I was getting out of the military. So they were still in Iraq for about two or three more weeks. And uh, he was killed. My commander was killed while I was in air. Uh, so I landed in Germany, I found out, and then I escorted his body back to uh, from Germany all the way back to the States uh, through hurricanes. Like there's a whole huge story behind this, by the way. Um, got him back home safe, but got him back to his family, did the did the funeral uh, twice, did two, two different funerals, one with the military, uh, then one with his family privately. And, um, you know, it's a way to honor him. So Iron Ranger for me is, is an honor and tribute to him uh, because to me uh, it just was really impactful. That whole, that whole piece in my life was uh, a huge, huge stepping stone because it was leaving the military and going into the regular world. And um, but at the same time, uh, he was that final piece for me to kind of move on from. Yeah. No, that's beautiful, man. So how long were you in the military for? What branch? Seven years. Yeah. Seven years. What they were in the army? Yeah. Army. I saw combat in Bosnia, Afghanistan, and then the initial push in Iraq in 2003 and got out in 04. Wow. Wow. So I've, I've talked to a lot of returning veterans and thank you for your service, by the way. Uh, I've talked to a lot of returning veterans. They've been on this show on my other shows as well. One of the things that, you know, is like a top of mind when when the when the when the soldiers come back here is reacclimating into society after seeing so much stuff on the other lines. And I really got a good picture of that. I've Like, again, I've had a lot of soldiers tell me about it and I've had people who have had foundations tell me about it, like uh, uh, Will to Live, which is done by my friend Shanda Champlain. She honors all the veterans that have been killed by suicide after they come back to the States. Talk to us about that for yourself. When you re-got back here after active duty and seeing that frontline stuff, what was that like for you? And what was that some of that 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 mindset shift mindset shift that you had to do in order to reacclimate? Yeah, I was an HR nightmare. Uh, we're gonna call it that way. Going to companies, and I'm used to if I tell someone to do something, they better be doing it before I finish telling them to do it in the military, because or people die, right? It's just it's life or death. Right. Little decisions and. 
you do tell someone to go mop a floor and they're not mopping a floor quickly, you got to get on them. So uh, <laughs> I was, uh, I went into leadership and management cause I loved it. That's just something I went into. And uh, that was the hardest part is reacclimating to just normal life and not making these crude, rude jokes every day. And, um, you know, <laughs> if there was something that could be sexualized and we did it, you know, military. Um, uh-huh. So, I had to really be smart about how I did it and re completely change everything. Um, you know, between that and then obviously going through the emotions that you're not supposed to have, you know, as a man, right. as a, you know, a warrior, you're not supposed to have these emotions. It's, it's, it's against every fiber in your body in the military. Um, if you do that. So, um, having to fight through those and realize that, um, there was a point where I just realized when everything kind of came crashing down, I lost my job. Um, I had, you know, no friends. Uh, my family was, you know, was, was doing their best, but they're, you know, they're, they're cautiously optimistic, I guess. And, and that's when I realized I have to do something and, um, I'm not normal. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> you know, it's so, None of us are. I had to really work on myself. So I went to PTSD counseling, aggression control counseling, and put, just poured myself into, um, into working on myself. And that was, that really helped move the needle and bring me around to um, to really just understand how to keep myself at bay. But um, I tell you, my, my most of my growth of all things would have come, probably come in the last just couple of years because I've, uh, I've, I've seen myself in a different way. I've been able to work through it and help others. So trained myself how to help others uh, in the same situation. So now there's a lot of veterans who come back and I get to help them out, um, as much as I can. And that's just been, it's just been a blessing for me to be able to do that. But there's so many more different uh, facets of me, but that's, that's definitely one I'm very proud of. That, that would, I would be proud of that as, as well. And I think that lends to the point that we're here on this human journey. And as we continue to age and grow and have experiences, it's incumbent upon us to sit there and look at things from a different angle. That's what I was talking about in the opening of the show, like thinking about my mother in that situation to think that I wasn't wanted isn't a bad thing. It was like, wow, that changes my whole perspective about my entire life, about wanting this lady to show up as freaking Mrs. Cunningham from happy days. That wasn't going to happen. She didn't want me, but she decided to keep me. And thank God she did because I got to have a lot of horrible experiences that made me a great person today. Absolutely. I love that mindset. And you and I are very similar in that, you know, or my, my father left us when I was three and I didn't meet him again until I was 22. Oh, wow. Now he's my best friend. Right. And so it it just goes to show you how the world can work. But because of him, when I was growing up, I just wanted to just strangle him. I mean, really, I I dreamt about beating the hell out of my father. And uh, when I met him, I realized he wasn't the man that I thought he was in my head that made him to be. And uh, it was a really great thing that we were able to connect because he showed me the true person he was. And uh, there was a lot of circumstances that I probably would have made the same choice if I was him at that moment in life. And so I, uh, I'm grateful for all the hardships, just like you. You know, we definitely share that growing up because those hardships, if I wouldn't have gone through them, I wouldn't have been where I'm at now. And, and I wouldn't, you know, through all uncomfort comes growth, through all pain comes growth. Uh, there's a lot of it here. So that's why I'm as strong as I am now. I'm able to help a lot of people in the process. I love that, Sean. I love that, Sean. I appreciate you. Got some amazing people in the house. Thank you guys. You guys can ask us questions and, and engage with us at any particular time. Natalie says here, she goes, thank you, Sean, for your service. Um, Glenda says here also, my dad had a hard time with that. Um, so yeah. And Sue Andrew, thank you for being here and sharing, uh, sharing this experience with us. She says incredible. So thank you guys for being here. 
some of the, what you're talking about, Sean, is, is really shifting our perspectives. And sometimes people are in that victim mindset. They think that life is happening to them. My sister is, a, is an excellent example. She, we have a different dad, same mom. And I was dis disconnected from her when I was nine years old. She was seven years older than I was. And so she said, sorry, baby brother, I can't take mom anymore. I have to leave and I'm going to go live with my dad. So from nine until my mid thirties, I did not see my sister whatsoever. I grew up with my mom solely. My, her, my mom's husband left, my sister left. It was just me and my mom. And then suddenly we became homeless when we were, when we were, uh, when I was 13 years old. And then I got to have that wonderful journey of being homeless on the streets with 18 cats and four dogs in a station wagon. But the funny point is, is I catch up with my sister. She's 42. I'm um, whatever, nine, whatever, nine years behind that is. So I don't know. I don't do math. Um, but anyways, I was in my thirties. And so I reunite with this lady and I'm thinking, okay, she left when she was 16. She got to go live with her perfectly biological father. She probably got to have all the experiences and go to high school and college and, and all these different things. I had to drop out of junior high school in the seventh grade. I'm thinking she's going to be successful and, and fit and healthy and everything. And I meet her and she, no offense to her. I mean, I know she's not watching because I, I had to wish her well, but I, she looked terrible. She was you would have thought she was the same exact person, Sean, at 16 years old as she was 42. She's like, well, mom, how's your mother? You know, it was like all these things. And I was trying to understand her and trying to catch up with her and everything. And one day she looks at me and she goes, baby brother, how did you not turn out like mom? Because my sister turned out exactly like her, exactly down to the cats, down to the books, down to the same occupation, down to the um, victim mindset. It's everybody else's fault. Well, I got fired. It's all this bullshit. And I looked at her straight in the face, Sean. And I said, because I chose not to. It's like, as I chose not to talk to us about that, talk to us about that victim mindset, the victim versus victor mindset, and what we could do to shift people out of that, that mindset to think that it's everybody else's fault, but theirs. Well, we grew up in a really cool time where at first, if you think about it, when you grew up, you're not allowed to share emotions. You're not allowed to, you have to be strong, right? You have to be fighter. It doesn't matter. Hold it in, suck in those feelings, deal with it. But now we're at a completely opposite time. The pendulum has swung, right? And the pendulum swung where if someone's hurting or upset or offended, everybody needs to rush to them and, 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 and cater to that feeling because that's important, and which it is. And so what we need to live is with the pendulum method is eventually it goes right in the middle. And where the middle lies is us going like this. Look, here's the thing. If someone's chewing me out and calling me names, it has nothing to do with me. It has yeah. everything to do with them. They are the ones who have the problem. If someone's upset with me for any reason whatsoever and demands that I make them feel better, I cannot do that. I just cannot do that. I can't make anybody feel anything. And uh, once we realize that we are in charge of our own emotions and truly take charge of them, and that is when we find real healing. That's when we find real growth. But it is so hard for people to want to go like, I am the issue with my own emotions. Um, I, I have a great friend. I love this guy. Um, he's a, a veteran as well and just a leader. Strong as can be, the hardest guy you've ever known, is super successful, but he always is going, but, 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 and, and, and wants to do that. And when I tell him to do this, and every time he does, he goes, you know what? You're right. I get it. And I'm stronger because of it. And I'm so proud of him because of that. Every time he does that, and it, it, it takes practice. And it takes practice, but he's starting to now see these things for himself and coming out of these things. And instead of blaming others, instead of wishing that it was wrong, he, he goes, I need to figure this out. And that's where, you know, real growth happens. I'm just super excited for anybody who gets to that journey, because when you see that, that journey is, is a whole other journey. And there's a lot, lot of lessons to be learned. And we're still, as a society, learning how to deal with that. 
Mm -hmm. But um, I still see a lot of people moving towards that now, and it's really exciting for me. Yeah, I think the younger generation is op more open to to that vulnerability and to that. Again, I mean, I've had shows on here where we talked about the toxic ma masculinity and the things that we as boys are growing up with. You know, you can't cry. You got to be a man. You know, all these different things uh, that were drilled into us to not be in touch with our emotions. Any kid, really, when you think about it, you know, stop crying. You know, okay what crying is a fucking good thing right i cry all the time i cry at sad commercials i don't give a shit my wife looks over me she goes are you crying again i'm like yeah shut up you don't have no heart <laughs> but it's a fucking dog commercial man they played sharon mclaughlin in the arms of and i'm like oh i want the puppies i want the kitties um but yeah i mean to your point you know the thing of it is is people sit there and tell me all the time i'm the i've been coaching for over 20 years and so people tell me inevitably but chris it's gonna be so hard and i'm like yeah. How was the journey so far? Was it pretty easy? No, it was hard. I'm like, guess what? Did you survive a hundred percent of the things that you went through? Yes or no? Yes. Did you learn from your mistakes? Yes. Go make more of them. Yeah. What, what, what go make more mistakes? You didn't make any mistakes. You were, you were sort of learning opportunities and you survived a hundred percent of the stuff that you've been through. And what if this, what if this, what if this, and I've been getting a lot of people with this, what if everything that you've been through and everything that you're going through right now is preparing you for what's next? But yet you're so fucking fixated on the bullshit in the past. It's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. It's their, or those guys should come save me. Those guys should come save me. The people, ladies and gentlemen, are the ones that are standing up going, oh, here's the mirror. There's the person. I get to make my own decisions and change the way I look at things. Guys, everything is happening for you. But if you have that perspective of being a victim, it won't happen for you because you're going to continue to have to learn that lesson to get over that. Talk to us about some lessons you've had to learn, Sean. What are some lessons in your life, aside from the, the what you talked about from coming back from active duty, which I can totally understand. Talk to us about some lessons that you've learned. Um, actually, I'll tell you what. I'll tell us about, tell us about and if, unless that was your, talk to us about one of your low points in your life and what the greatest lesson was. And then I have another follow-up question after that. Yeah. I, so I, uh, I got laid off from a job that I just loved. Um, at this, right after I got laid off, I broke up with this girl that I just thought I loved. Right. And I broke up with her because she was abusive and then physically or um, physically or verbally, physically and verbally both, Ooh. you know, so right, I, we talk about that too. I would accept it because I wasn't proud of myself. And, and then, um, this is at the dawn of COVID. So then I got COVID and 75% of my lungs were taken over by the virus and by pneumonia. And I almost died. I, I had 12% chance of life left. And I, I remember laying there in the hospital and I've got these guys, I felt like I was watching ET, like the movie, you know, remember back in the day where they had, so they had yep. the whole suit on the whole suit with the respirators in the back of it. And they look like spacemen. I got six doctors surrounding me. I didn't know who they were at the time, but I had such a rare version of COVID that they flew in people from different points of the world to visit me. Um, wow. And um, I'm feeling great when I wake up, by the way. I, and why? Because I'm on drugs. So they gave me all the drugs in the world and I was excited. I didn't know that, but I was like, I feel great. And uh, <laughs> they asked me about my last rites and who I had. And I realized, oh my gosh, my son's going to have to decide if I live or die maybe or... You know, it was just—it was incredible uh, to go through that, and I had to make a decision. Then, uh, in my mind, I felt like I made the decision. I'm living. I have to do this. I cannot put my family through this. I am here for another reason, and I did. I lived and uh, got through it, and got better slowly. Um, you know, it was like, literally. I, I tell you what, getting out of bed, walking five and a half feet, I measured it to the bathroom. My heart rate would go from, you know, in the hundred or so, but to 170 beats per minute, right? That's how 
That's high intensity. Just five and a half feet. Um, so I felt like I was running a marathon just going to the bathroom. Um, so I worked through that. And then come Christmas time, it was just, I felt lonely. I felt like I had nothing left. And whatever reason, I looked at my kids and I said, I have to be better than this for them and for myself. So I, and I realized I can't be better for them if I'm not better for me first. So I snapped out of it. I, I started working on myself and I wrote a letter to myself and I wrote a letter to my future love of my life. And I said, this is who you are. This is what I want. And this is how I'm going after it and how I'm coming after you. And I'm, I deserve you. That's what I kept saying. I deserve you because this is who I am. Yeah. And um, I put it in a box, a Christmas box. And I said, whenever I tell someone I love them, I'm going to give them that letter. The first, next time, next woman I tell I love, I'm going to give her. Oh, her look her at her you all gushy. Uh, it's true. It's what I wanted. And I did it He's all. a romantic guys, I, girls. I did it all while I was on live on TikTok, of all things, right? Oh, really? Um, and so I just was sharing this with my audience. I was engaged with just, I was committed to this process. And my audience is asking specifics. This is where it gets fun for me. My audience says, Sean, tell me about the woman of your dreams. And I say, well, and they want me to be specific. They're like, no bullshitting, no, none of this, this generalities. Okay, what, what kind of hair color? I said, all right, I prefer blondes. All right, done, right? Sorry, brunettes out there. Uh, <laughs> right? uh, and they said, okay, what, do you, what, what about, I go, they have to have an accent. I'm really into the English accent. So, okay, I want an accent. Okay, done, right? Check. Uh, and it was just everything. How tall is she? I go, five, six, five, seven. But, you know, that she could be taller, I guess that's fine. And so check, done. And so I had all these, she has to be independent. She had, and the, all the way down to the attitude. And, I, and I, I just said it out loud over and over again, what I wanted. And I kid you not, December 31st or 30th, uh, going into the 31st, I met Don. And she and I are now together. And, um, and she fit the bill perfect. So much to the point I thought I was being catfished. <laughs> right? that, that, that happens but i think the lesson here is once i made the decision to do it and once i believed in that decision and i believed in myself to have that and i knew there was nothing stopping me but me i i got it it, it doesn't just happen that quick all the time but it does happen and there is that form of manifestation there is that that piece and that's why our company is called aia motivation the law of attraction, intention, assumption, uh, because that's how we met. That's we, she had a very similar story, and uh, you know it's incredible. And it, it was just it reminds me the lesson that I had to learn at the low point of my life is the decision was only mine and mine alone. I could have died. I could have chose to die. I really yeah. believe that. Uh, I could have chose to be depressed and keep drinking on Christmas instead of just get up and just start fixing my life. I could have chose to blame the world. Um, for my problems, but mm -hmm. I decided to do the opposite. I decided to, to look at myself and and not be a victim for myself, but be a, a strength. And that's, that's what turned me around. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Sue says here, she is amazing. I've had a chance to see some of the videos and, and see your website and check that stuff out. So yes, I've seen you guys doing your videos. I've seen her more 
part of your videos. Um, so as a side question, because you are a good looking dude and I see your videos and I see that your, your audience is very much the female persuasion. How does that, how does that get along with your, your new special partner? Because I know for me, I've had that same situation. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen out there. I do know I'm actually kind of cute. Um, but seriously, I've had that, you know, he's, he's the bad boy. He's the cute guy. I've been with my wife for 21 years now. We've been married for 16 and she understands that she knows I'm flirty. She knows that girls are going to do stuff like that. How has that impacted your relationship? Or is that one of the things that you actually love about her? Because she knows that you're, you're with her, but you're out here doing this thing and you're, 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 you're just flashing your smile. I mean, essentially, I mean, that's, we can't help what other people react to us with. When she met me, I had 70,000 followers on TikTok, and now we're at 462 or something like that now. We're right up there and at 462,000. And so when she met me, she knew this already about me that I was just, you know, that's, that's what, that was there. She's so secure in herself and she is, um, she realizes, and she should be, she's gorgeous. She's perfect in every way. Uh, but, um, she's so secure in herself, but she also secure in the fact that, um, I am who I am. I'm very honest to a core and that's one of my, my personal foundations. So what I teach others, when people come to me and ask to go one-on-one -on -one coaching, I teach them foundational management and how to build that for themselves. I help them clear out the rubble that they built. Cause a lot of people, in my opinion, build a $20 million mansion on a $5 million foundation, right? Mm -hmm. Amen. A beautiful mansion. It's going to crumble though. They're so focused on the mansion, they, they forget the foundation is the most important piece. And so I've laid out pillars for myself. And one of them is honesty, integrity, um, loyalty, or is all, all those pieces are in there. And she knows that. And that's deep to my core. And um, I couldn't lie to her if I saved my life. I mean, I'm the worst liar ever anyway. So it works out. Nice. Uh, but that's her security. Plus, I, she has complete vision to it because I have nothing to hide. So she sees, and I kid you not, Chris, I get the shots, the, the naked pictures sent to me by by women and men. So I get <laughs> you were talking about that pics. earlier. <laughs> I get more dick pics in my inbox than she does. Okay, I get more dick pics in a week than she does in a year. And she's the woman, and she's good looking. <laughs> so I just, it's just no, thank you. I've, I've never had one of those, thank God. So I yeah, guess I'm I'll not that cute. I'll just start forwarding them. No, 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 no. That's quite okay. I'm, I don't like looking at my own dick. <laughs> but, but I think, yeah, it, it works out great because we have that open communication. We're very honest with each other. Um, nothing to hide uh, at all. We do not like we're having to look at each other's phones or anything. We just go, look, check this out. And, and that's just, we're just very, very much a, a part of that. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I love that. That's the same way with me and my wife. We have a great relationship, a great friendship, but also a great marriage and understanding those kinds of things that we, one of the things I learned from my previous marriage when I was married, when I was 18, I was married for five years is one of the things is when people get married, they usually lose their identity. So it's like for me, when we, when I was getting divorced, it was Chris and Tammy, Chris and Tammy, Chris and Tammy, Chris and Tammy. We got divorced. I'm like, who am I now? Because I totally gave up my identity to make her happy from her insecurity. Yeah. And so I had to spend a year trying to get to know myself. And I told myself, I said, the next time I get in a relationship, I'm just going to be me. And if you dig it, great. If not, no worries. And God's honest truth. I went, I had quite a few number of girlfriends. I've had quite a few long, long relationships too, as well. But it wasn't until I met Barb and I'm like, wow, she's independent. She's, she doesn't care what I go do. I don't have to go shopping with her every two seconds. I've heard some of my, my guy friends tell me horror stories about their women and how they control them and everything. I'm like, nope. No big deal. My wife can go to Vegas with the girls and go to uh, Thunder Down Under and watch Magic Mike and croon over them and all that stuff. But I know at the end of the day, she's going to call me at the end of the night and it's all going to be fine. And I know she's a beautiful girl. And so it's no big deal. It's like 
so that that confidence building that that ability to have that sense of confidence and that 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 sense of assurance talk to us about that journey for you were you always confident and assured or is that something that you developed as you continued to go through these mishaps in your life horribly the opposite let's just yeah for the longest time uh and it became i had to become that and i realized like let's just let's just break it out you know we i'm not a big fan of talking about worst case scenarios but let's just break it out for people to understand it it it, what if she does? Okay, say she does go and cheat. I'm going to be fine. Yeah. You know, no, no offense. I got 462,000 women. I could. I'm single. I'm good to go. Right. You know, but that's not what I'm looking for. But the, the piece is, I'm going to be fine because I choose to be fine. I'm controlling my own destiny here. And if that happens, that happens. Why I know? How do I know that? I had two women, two two wives, that I've had dealt that I've dealt with this on. Right. And, and I've I've had the, them, you know, do the opposite. I guess. And, so I've come out better and now I'm with an even better person because of that, like she's incredible. And so I'm really grateful that they did that because, oh my God, I never would have met this girl, right? So right. for me, if anything happens, it's not happening to me, it's happening for me. And that's how I look at it. Amen, brother. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. And that's something important for you guys out there in viewer land, listener land to really consider and think about yourself. If you're having trust issues with yourself or having trust issues with trust issues with your partner, that's something you want to communicate and talk about and be open and honest about that because that, that resentment, you know, we talk about our emotions, right? And you know, the Sean, we either express our emotions, we repress our emotions or we suppress our emotions. And if you repress and suppress instead of express, eventually one day they're going to come out like fireworks. And I've heard people talk, well, I'm a, I'm a cancer and I'm of this and I'm an Italian, I'm a hothead. No, you're somebody who has not expressed your, your emotions and your anger and not has, not have, not has, um, reconciled some of those, those nasty situations in your past. So you, now you're guarded and everything else. I want to shift gears for a second. Cause you mentioned this before kids. I'm a dad. I've got a six-year-old son. We adopted him from birth. It's been amazing. I got, became a dad late in life at 48. I'm now 54. Talk to us about that. What, what did being a parent really teach you about being a man? You know, um, I have a, a daughter and I have three boys, so four, four kids. And um, I feel like I screwed it all up with my daughter. Not gonna lie, you know, it's just she. She happened to be the oldest, so she got the brunt of my 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 anger control, um, not sure who I was or what I was doing. And then what I realized is I gotta I gotta help them find. As a father, I have to help my kids find their passion by doing different things with them, having them experience different things. But once they find their passion, I need to get the hell out of their way and just support them, despite how much I may or may not like their passion. You know, right. and, and when I, as a father, when I learned that, that was one, that was a trick. It, it, it just changed my perspective. Um, you know, I've got a son now who's uh, going to be 22 soon and he's in HVAC and he's in, he loved building in, in the trades and he's really, really good at it. And I'm so proud of him. Um, but I paid him for a businessman, you know, when he was younger because of his ability to talk, his ability to learn. He had that business savviness. When I would come home and he would ask me about my day, he would ask me about how much profit did I make in the day? How did I do it? And so I really paid him for that. But not, but so seeing him go to the trades and just love it was weird at first. And I realized, okay, I got to let him do it. I just have to get out of the way and let him do it. And he is so happy. And, uh, for me as a man, you, you, you can control if you want, but then they're just going to resent you. So that's what my daughter did. And we ended up in not a very good spot because of it, you know? So um, once you remove that control, I had to learn the hard way, but I learned it. My, me and my sons, for example, have an amazing relationship. And yeah. my daughter and I aren't horrible, but I, because, 
because of that, though, I, I feel like uh, I was able to relinquish a little bit and realize that everybody's in control of themselves. I cannot control them. I yep. cannot control any of you watching me. I, I'm not going to try. Um, <laughs> Mind voodoo. Yeah, but I, what I what I remind people every day is just how special they are and and how rare they are. And the piece, one of my favorite sayings is, uh, "No one has gone through." and seen the life you've seen through the eyes you've seen them through. No one. True. And, and, and that makes you so super rare. One of seven point one seven and a half billion people now in this world, something yeah. of that nature. And, and they, that, that makes you more rare than a snowflake because snowflakes are supposed to be just, you know, one in every, I can't remember how many billion, but that makes you more rare than a snowflake. And, and that's, uh, it, it means you're uniquely you and you have something to give and there's a reason you're around. And, and, uh, I'm just grateful to be a part of everyone in this world, despite who they are. So I walk by any person. I say, hello, I smile and I'm grateful for them for who they are. I do the same thing. We had, we talked when we talked on the phone, we've had a lot of similarities and we've had some text messages back and forth. I say hi to everybody. And I look like a mean motherfucker. I mean, I got tattoos and everything, but I'm walking a fucking 120 pound Doberman. I'm the nicest guy in the world. I'm, I'm tough, but I'm also got the biggest heart in the world. So, I mean, I can understand how sometimes there's this mis the misguidedness. Um, there's a couple of different ways that I can go on that based on what you just shared. I want to talk about empathy and forgiveness since you brought up your daughter and brought up the fact that you were so resentful and angry with your biological father when he left at three. Talk to us about your experience in, in processing emotions and, and, and processing empathy and forgiveness. Because before you do, I'll share this with you. When you were talking about that, you know, the uniqueness of what somebody has experienced, that right there, my friend, has is what helped me find empathy and forgiveness for my mother because when i sat back and looked at it in addition to what i said in the in the prologue of the intro of the show talking about that epiphany that i had that i wasn't wanted years and years and years ago i thought to myself because i'm always my own best coaching client i'm thinking how can i find empathy and forgiveness for this person who has put me through sheer fucking hell literal right Sure. I mean, beat the shit out of me, you know, all sorts of different things. We were homeless. I lived in a car with 18 cats and four dogs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all these different things. <clears throat> and I thought about it. My mom used to always say, I'm four years old. I'm four years old. And I'm like, mom, you're a grown ass woman. Why don't you start acting like it? You're, you're not four years old. And she would say this periodically and she would get like this childlike nature. She had all these cats. She had a bunch of stuffed animals. And I sat back and I was probably in my forties by then. And I just sat back and I'm like, how can I find empathy and forgiveness for this woman? And I thought about it four years old. I'm like, what happened when, what happened when she was four? I started thinking about it, thinking about it. I'm like, oh, her parents got divorced when she was four. Oh, her biological father went to go have a life of his own with a new lady. And she was left with her biological mother, who was a witch. You know, my grandmother was not a nice person. And so I started thinking about it. I'm like, oh, and then my grandmother, my mother was smart book smart. I mean, super brilliant. She went to university of Santa Barbara at 16 years old. I didn't believe her because she used to tell lies, but after she passed away, I looked through her personal belongings and I found a paper. She wrote about Shakespeare. that was five pages long and she wrote it when she was 15 years old. And the teacher writes excellent example, Linda. Da, 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 da. And I was like, Holy shit. She wasn't lying about that. It was crazy. But my point is this, is that I sat there and I thought if I had been through all the experiences that my mom had been through, the divorce, hanging out with my, my grandmother, you know, prom promiscuity, drugs, you know, the late 60s, the, the problems that women ha were having in the early 70s, um, you know, in a, working in a man's world. I mean, she was, in a, she was a purchasing agent. She was, she was in a manufacturing environment. So it was a man's world. If I had been through all the different things, all the breakups, all the heartaches, might I be just like her? Right. That question, might I be just like her? Dude, Sean, I, I swear to God, it was like, 
Yeah, I probably would. I wanted to fight it because I'm like, no, I know right from wrong and everybody knows right from wrong. And you try to put that shit in there. I'm like, no, if I went through all those experiences that she did when she did, might I be like her? Yes. And I had this sudden release in my body. Talk to us about that from your experience, that empathy and forgiveness, because so many people out there are hanging on to that. Like it's like, it's like the, the end all be all for their life. Like if I let go of this, then I won't be the same person that I am now. Talk to us about that. You know, with my father, it was, again, I wanted to destroy him. There's yeah. no better way to put it. And I want, I think people want someone to blame for who they are. Yep. And it's easy to blame your parents because they're they're literally who raised you and they're the ones who are in charge of your, your foundation, so per se, right? And so um, everybody wants to blame their parents and everybody puts so much weight on their parents. And I'm watching this show, and forgive me, it's an older show, but it's called Lucifer on Netflix. And he's blaming his dad, you know, the devil here is blaming God for all of his things. But he realized later on he did it to himself. And and I, I, I love that because it, it really reminded me that I had my full choice, even as a kid, uh, to do what I needed to do and what to believe in. And so I'm a, I'm a big believer that anybody here, when it comes to forgiveness, it's really just being okay with yourself first. You have to forgive yourself. So I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, if this resonates with you, forgive yourself. It's okay. Go in the back room. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel like you need to let it out. Forgive yourself because when you do, there's healing that can be involved. And, um, you know, I'm proud of everybody who who does that because that's the most important piece in, that you can do. Once you forgive yourself, you can start a journey. And that journey may, may or may not be tough. It depends on you. But um, that journey is a journey that's necessary. Yes. Yes. I can, I completely agree with that. And I, I had the same similar situation. I've had things that I've done in my past that I wasn't particularly proud of. And then in my thirties, when I was drinking a lot and partying a lot <clears throat> to try to run away from that, I had a great time, but at the same time, there was this day that I finally had to wake up and kind of like accept responsibility. My friends kind of had an intervention with me and they're like, man, Chris, you're a fun guy. You're a party guy. You're, you work hard. We're just worried about the drinking, you know, and da, 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 da. And so it just kind of caused me to sit there and take a step back. Like, what am I running from? You know, why, why do I drink all the time? Cause it, for me, I'm like so energetic and so spun. I call it being spun that alcohol, if like three or four drinks, I'm like normal. I feel like a normal person. I feel like I can process my thoughts and not be all like I don't normally am when you guys see me here. And I sat there and I thought, okay, why don't I just take a break? And I started taking a break and I started taking from January of the beginning of the year to my birthday, which is February 26th. So it was two months without alcohol. For me, that was huge. That was massive. I mean, everywhere I went, there was parties, it was bowling, it was dancing, it was everything, sports games, rock concerts, everything had alcohol in it. You know, billiards, video, everything, parties, everything had alcohol. And I'm like, Ooh, can I go two months without it? And as I started doing that, I just made it a personal mission for myself because I was not being necessarily congruent with my coaching clients. And I said, let me go on this journey of self-discovery and find out what it is that I'm running away from. And part of that was that, 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 that shame and that guilt that I had in myself thinking that I caused some things or thinking that I was responsible for things when the grand actuality of it, no, it wasn't. It was just, that was just the way that I was pinpointing it on myself being that victim mindset. So through that clarity, I was able to get stronger and have empathy and forgiveness for myself and actually see everything in such a different light that it empowered me. And that's what even made me take my coaching and my speaking and everything else to the next level. It's like, wow, if I can continue to have these epiphanies by asking myself these questions, then everybody else can do this too. And I'm, I whole mission is to make this world a better place. I don't care if you're black, white, straight, gay, short, tall, transgender, whatever label you want to put on it. I love everybody. And I want to make sure this world is inclusive and, and everybody has an opportunity and a fair shot. Um, so talk to us about what, you know, when I think about what we're talking about tonight, Sean, and I know we could talk about for hours and hours and hours, 
Um, we're talking about doing our best. Right. And when you think about it, I had a situation where um, I came home from work probably about four or five years ago <clears throat> and I was putting my keys up on my dresser and, you know, doing the normal nighttime stuff when you get ready for bed. And I thought to myself, oh, I did the best I could today. Right. And I sat there and I, and I, I talk out loud to myself. And when I talk out loud, the outside voice is smarter than the inside voice. I don't know why I just realized this about two months ago, but I've just always been doing it. And I'm like, Chris, was really that your best? And I really listen to that because I feel like that's the true nature of who I am when I speak out loud. Like that's the guy that's calling me on my own bullshit. Like, Chris, was that your best? And I sat there and thought about it. I'm like, and I think about, okay, in terms for me, in terms of my best, one of the things that I'll use, like when even I was washing my cars last week, I went to go skimp on my wheels on my truck. I mean, I did a decent job, but I'm like, if a film crew was watching me right now saying, hey, this is the no excuses coach and he's washing this truck, look at the detail. I would wash that rim and make it all sparkly. And it only takes a little bit of effort to do our best. And I started realizing, I'm like, Chris, that wasn't my best. Have I been giving my best? Has there been blood, sweat, and tears? Talk to me about how you know to, that you're doing your best, Sean, and then what you do to inspire your clients to do their best. Because so many people are sitting there saying, I've done my best, but their best, I don't think their best is yet to, to come. Yeah, I, I, love, I love what you said if there's a film crew, because Don always says, live your life like it's a movie you want to watch. Yeah. And I think That's a good that, one. I like that one. I, I think well, thank I you for that one. If I... If I sat back and I watched myself today, would I enjoy the, the show? And that doesn't mean you have to be dramatic or anything, but, um, you know, did I feel like I, I, I did the right thing? So there's self-accountability self behind that, and that's what you're bringing up, and I love that. To, to do your best really is to just make the decision in the moment. You can, in the, the piece that I, it's good to self-reflect and remember and look back and see what you, you did, but I think what's even better is to stop and say, um, like Darlene just said, speak it out loud. And like you said it a little bit ago, speak it out loud. Tell yourself what you want to see. Go to the freaking mirror and tell yourself what you're going to do. Go and just, just make that decision to do it. And even when you slip, it's okay. Stop. I got this. I'm back at it. Let's go. And um, there's a mindset to it. Um, I'm, uh, you know, and I go back to, you know, so many places in my life where I had, here I am shot. I am getting shot at. I got bullets raining down around me. I've got um, bombs going off everywhere. Uh, you can't understand a thing that's happening. And um, there's a couple things I could have done. I could have just decided to hunker down, hold on, and make a choice and, and hope we get through it. I can fight back a little bit, or I can just say, you know what? I'm going to give everything I got to this moment. I'm going to get my ass up. I'm going to march across this field, and I'm going to kick that door in, and I'm going to take out these guys who are trying to take us all out. And I did. I just, I just did. Whoa. I marched, marched right across. March, well, not march, but it was a little bit tad, more tactical than that. But uh, get through the, this field, get into the building where these guys are at the top, and we and I, we did our we had to do it. I kicked the door in and took them out. And um, if I didn't do that, how much longer would it have taken? And um, yeah. I'm sitting there and, and again, same thing. We're, we're pinned down in an alleyway and uh, being shot at and a grenade hits me in my thigh and I look down and I'm done. I'm done. I'm just like, I have the, honestly, the, the two seconds, the most, most peaceful two seconds of my life are those two seconds. Really? I down and I see a grenade. I'm just like, that's I it. Accepted it. I accepted that this was it and, and it was, I was peaceful. I was like, okay. I had a good life. And Lily, I remember thinking that for just that quick two seconds. And I realized it's a dud. It didn't go off. Oh my gosh. I got, you know, kicked the thing out of the way. And I realized I have to go through what, is, what what's happening right now, because if I don't go through that, yeah. 
the next grenade will be live and it won't be just me who's 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 in who's in trouble there it's the red people around me so I, I just decided to go through it and and, and because i did it, it saved my life and say who knows how many lives it would have saved in the process but mentally i think we go through that every day in, in yeah. one way or another it doesn't have to be grenades and bombs and real you know it's not that it, but it is it is decisions that we make and it is these negative the, the negativity that's coming at us it's that's being shot at us blown up at us and in your boss is pissed off or <clears throat> your spouse says something you, you're not happy with or they don't get something done that they promised or they let you down or someone lets you down inevitably you can choose to go through it and just be better for it or you can dwell on it and and essentially perish and so that's your choice that i think we have to make every day but speaking it out loud being able to to, to, to comment to yourself and to be able to hold yourself accountable it's 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 critical Dude, dude, I love this conversation. I love this conversation. Darlene says, great quote. Absolutely. Uh, Natalie says here, she goes, this is definitely more of us than we know. Absolutely, 100%. And um, I just want to actually just uh, comment. My buddy, Dennis Nermella from China is here. I'm sober for over 35 years. Congratulations, dude. That's fucking awesome. Congratulations. Uh, I'm doing 75 hard right now. So I'm doing 75 days of no, no alcohol. I just did two months at the beginning of the year, no alcohol. Cause I still do that. Actually, I still take the year, the beginning of the year, all the way to my birthday from February 26. I don't drink. It's kind of like my reset. And then, uh, as the years have gone on throughout the year, I do periodic, uh, sabbaticals from alcohol as well, just to make sure, you know, cause I never want to abuse that part. Cause I'm a party guy. I like to drink. I like to have fun. I like to be a smart ass. I like to entertain people. Uh, so sometimes I have to be careful. We used to call it stripper Chris, but I can't strip anymore. Cause my back is so fucked up. I actually tried the other day. Some music came on. I was in my, my, uh, my kitchen, my back. So I've had back surgery and it's really messed up. I need more surgery. And so I was like, Ooh, and I started doing my, my hip gyration. I was like, Oh fuck. And my wife and my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law is with us uh, going through cancer treatment and they just start laughing like, you're old, you're old. And like, my wife goes, I guess stripper Chris is dead. And I'm like, no, he's not. He will come back. If there was Jack Daniels here, he would come back. He would find a way to strip. Oh, reinvent stripper Chris. It'll be different. Oh, dude, I got so many stories about stripper Chris. I have, I have had a lot of fun. I have had a lot of fun. Um, but before we run out of time here, um, there's two more questions that I have for you, brother. Um, one of those is, uh, since I am the no excuses coach, I always like to ask my guests, you know, what is your main excuse or excuses, and how do you find? What do you use in order to overcome your excuses? Um, I always look at my excuses are tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. Yep. Oh, and I do this. I still do this. I, I have to catch myself constantly. Um, you know what? I'm good right now. I'm, I'm just going to eat this pie or whatever it is right now. And I'll start my diet tomorrow or I'll be okay. And then it keep, the can keeps getting kicked. Um, and so I, I, I think that's something that I think we all put, probably deal with. But that's probably one of my main issues that I, I have to continually work on and remind myself, okay, you're in charge of your, your – you're in charge of this right now. You have to make a decision make the right one. And, you know, sometimes yeah. it's okay to make the wrong one because it's a learning lesson, but, uh, try not to. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, when you talk about decisions, you know, some people sit there and say they, 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 they don't know what to do. And I'm like, the best thing you can do is make the right decision. The, the next best thing is make the wrong decision. And the worst thing is to make no decision. Yeah. So I love what you're talking about there. <clears throat> Okay. So we're, we're coming up on the, we got about, we, uh, we're still under an hour. I promise you, I'll keep you in under an hour. Um, one of my big passions right now is, 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 and I don't follow the news or politics much, but I know there's a lot of turmoil going on in the country right now. 
if you had a microphone to the world right now, given what's going on in various parts of the world, depending on what you watch and what you follow and everything, what are some things you would say to the, to the people watching? If the entire world was watching right now, no, no pressure. What is it? What's some, what are some words that you would have to help heal some of the conflict and, and, the, and the arguments and the finger pointing and the blaming and the, the rhetoric that's going on? What would you say to them? You know, I removed myself from the news. I was an avid news watcher every single day, all throughout the day. Um, and when I met Dawn, she was like, I don't watch the news. We're not watching the news. We're not doing that. I'm like, like, hell, we're not, right? Why, why, I don't know what's <laughs> going on. News. And she just said, try it. And, and so I, a month goes by and, and kind of like you just described, you know, in, in a weird way, alcohol, not quite the same, but you get the idea. When you remove the negativity, it, your life is the same. It's like weird. I, my life has not changed in the year that I barely watched the news, if at all. And it hasn't really changed at all. And I'm sitting here going, my gosh, you know, there's stuff going on, but how much has it really impacted me? And the answer is the only thing that's really impacted me are my decisions that I made over what someone else made. So whatever Biden or I can't remember all the leaders name or, you know, <laughs> Gorbachev, you know, <laughs> back in the day. Wow, whatever these guys have done, it doesn't affect me at all and how I decide to move forward. It's going to be there regardless. And I'm going to be dealing with it. So my decisions are what's important. And when I, when I realize that, and when people, if, if I'm, I'm, if I can say anything to anybody, it's like you're in charge of who you are and your decision and no one can make you feel anything. You do not allow them to make you feel. Yes. Period. End of story. Dude. I love that. What you decided right there. Have you ever read, uh, read, read Victor Frankl's man's search for meaning? No, I'm going to have to read it now though. That is one of my must books that I uh, have my coaching clients read. It's an amazing book. It's uh, he was a, a concentration camp uh, survivor. He was in Auschwitz and he wrote this book and it, and it details his experience going through the Auschwitz, the, the, the horrific experiences and everything else. The crux of the book, Sean, is the fact that you can you can tell me to do these things. You can make me do things. But the one thing you can nobody can ever do is tell me how to feel. So even in those dark, dire times, he chose to live in his mind that he was going to get out of there. He chose to live in his mind that he was going to re be reunited with his, his family. He chose to, to, to sit there and say, you could do whatever you want to me, but I'm going to choose not to be. He saw people killing themselves. You know, they had little crumbs of bread and it's a horrific book. But overall, you sit there and he see he talks about that. Um, that ability to be able to withstand all that negativity, be able to be true to ourselves. So I love what you said about that. Um, so where could people, uh, I mean, this has been an amazing conversation. I definitely know we're going to be doing more stuff together. I hope you guys out there in viewer land and listener land, uh, enjoy that. Let us know what you thought of the conversation, but where can people get a hold of you to continue the conversation with you, Mr. Dodd? You know, I'm on all social media platforms, Iron Ranger 023. Um, so TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, got all that. Uh, but we also have a company website. It's aiamotivation.com. You can reach out to me there. There's contact forms there. Uh, you can book sessions if you would like to, um, whatever you need. And I book sessions where people just want to talk to me and get to know me and just be, you know, have a, have an ear. And I've had sessions where I've, you know, taught and, and engaged. So there's a lot of different things that I can do with people. And I'm really excited just to anybody who comes into my life. I'm so appreciative of Awesome. Awesome. And for those guys listening again, it's www.aiamotivation.com all spelled exactly how you would imagine. And then again, Iron Ranger, I-R-O-N-R-A-N-G-E-R-023. 
for those of you guys listening on the podcast, we like to give that back a few times because sometimes they said they said it too fast, then you have to rewind it. Um, Mr. Sean Dodd, thank you, brother, so much for being here on the Ron Unscripted Show. I knew this conversation was going to fly by. I could talk to you for hours. I appreciate you. I love you. I'm going to sit you backstage for a second. One quick thing before I go. I am so fucking proud of you, bro. Thank you for all thank that you're you. doing for this world. And you inspire so many people. And I am just so grateful for people like you. So thank you. Oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate you. That makes me, that makes me get all welly. Don't do that. Don't make me cry. All right, brother. I'm going to push you backstage. Don't go anywhere. Cause I still want to talk to you. I'm just going to close out the show. All right. Thanks. Thanks Peace. There you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I told you it was going to be a great show. Didn't I tell you it was going to be a great show? Uh, I want to capture some of these comments here. Uh, Sue Andrew. Thank you so much for being here. She says, this was a great live. I will be following you, Chris. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. That's all from the heart. This is all just who I am. I used to be a suit and tie speaker. I used to say all the things everybody else wanted me to say and be all the things everybody else wanted me to be. I was a people pleaser. I was always trying to find that validation because when you think about what I said at the top of the show, and if you're getting, if you're new to the show, go back and listen to the top of it because I revealed an epiphany that I recently had about my mother and realizing that I wasn't wanted. And that was actually a good thing. So when we sit there and we have this opportunity for us to, to heal and to grow within ourselves, you know, it's pretty incredible what can come up. And I just, I just have decided that this life is, we only get one life, right? Agree. We get one life and there is no guarantee that there's going to be another 10 minutes, another 10 days, another 10 weeks in any one of our lives. You know, there's a lot of rhetoric that's being thrown around in the news. I've kind of popped my head up out of the sand a little bit and watched some TikTok videos and seen what's going on in Tennessee and Kentucky and hearing some of the rhetoric that's going on in Texas and Idaho and Wisconsin and all these different places. And it breaks my heart because at the end of the day, we're our humanity, ladies and gentlemen. I'm actually on the board of humanity. I'm on the board of Help Heal Humanity. Um, if you guys are interested in checking that out, here's a little plug. I usually do a plug in the beginning of the show, but helphealhumanity.org. It's actually an organization I've been on the board with for now two years. Serena Buffalino, the CEO and the founder of the board. She's an incredible, incredible spirit. She's selfless. She's loving. She's giving, she's tireless. She does her best to go out there and make a difference. We built schools in the toughest parts of Haiti. We've fed the homeless and taken care of uh, training sessions in, in Hamilton, Ontario. We've done a bunch of stuff and we're just scratching the surface, but together we're humanity. And I'll tell you this before we end out the show. Uh, whenever I'm on stage, uh, whenever I have an opportunity now, especially especially from stage, I'll look out and I've, I remember the last time I did this, there was about 800 to 1,000 people out there. And I just took the opportunity. I did my motivation stuff and talked about, you know, having a no excuses life. But I said, everybody take a look around. You know, it was about 800 people, 800 to 1,000 people. So take a look around. You got black, white, short, straight, gay, Republican, Democrat, you know, people into bondage, people not have ever had sex. You got everybody in this room, I'm sure. We've got some racist in the, in the, in the room. And I don't want you guys to call yourself out, but I just want you to take a look around. You know, there's all these beautiful people. And I'm sure if any one of you had an accident right now or needed something, all of you guys would all go there and help one another out. So I just encourage you guys out there really to take a look at your fellow human being, because at the end of the day, this is something, this is a, this is a temporary vessel for our soul to come here and have this human experience with. Don't judge people by this. Don't judge people by the experiences that they had, because you don't know what it's like. We've said this throughout the show tonight. Sean and I both said that from our personal experiences. You don't know what you don't know. And to sit there and cast judgments and, and not understand where other people are coming from or not knowing your history, that's ignorant. You know, it's the best thing you could do is to get to understand people. Stephen Covey said in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he said, number one, seek first to understand, then be understood. So the thing I implore to you guys, my misfits for life family, right? You guys, are my misfits for life. Um, this is the way we do things wrong and scripted here. Make it a point throughout this next week. When you think about yourself judging something, Ask the question, 
Tell me more about that. Tell me about why you like Trump so much. Tell me why you're against the vaccinations. You know, what kind of research have you done? Tell me why you, you, you think uh, China is in the back pocket, whatever it might be, whatever it is, and have them tell you more. But here's the other kicker. Here's something that will strengthen all of your relationships, because I've had to do this a lot in my life. And thank God I learned quick was when you listen to somebody, one of the greatest gifts you can get back to them is sit there and say, you know what, Chris, this is what I heard you say, blah, 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 blah. And paraphrase back to them and let them know that you heard them, that you were truly, really listening, that you weren't selectively listening going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, here, let me tell you about my shit, which is what most people do. They don't really listen. They have selective hearing disorder and they sit there and say, uh-huh, I know what he's going to say. I know he's going to say, okay, I've got my answer. I'm going to put them in their place. And you don't even fucking listen to the full conversation in anything, the water cooler conversations, the political conversations, anything else. So here's my task for you guys this week. Go out there and truly, really listen to the people that are talking, the people you disagree with. Find somebody you disagree with wholeheartedly and say, you know what? I've been handling this all wrong. I've been thinking that you're one person. I'm another person. Let's have a conversation. Let me buy you coffee. Let me get on a Zoom call with you because I really want to understand where you're coming from. And then after that conversation, go tell some other people because right now nobody's listening. It's all this. It's them, 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 them. And the sad thing is, is I have conversations with people on the far left, the far right, all over the place. I have lots of conversations all day long in addition to my coaching. And the thing I'm really trying to seek out is how we're more the same than we are different and how we can avoid potentially having a civil war here in the United States. That breaks my heart. That scares the shit out of me because everywhere I go, I meet beautiful people all over the world. I went to Italy last year and everybody I met from all over the world were beautiful people. And the one question they kept having for me was what's going on with the United States. You guys used to be so strong. You know, and I know I have, I have viewers in nine countries, 10 countries, perhaps right now. I know we're in nine countries, definitely. So thank you guys for, for being uh, in those nine countries and watching this and listening to this. But together, we need to make a difference because I have a six-year-old son. And when I look in his eyes, the only thing I want for him is to have an opportunity to grow up in a safe, clean environment that's going to be here for the rest of their lives and that we could pass something on to this generation that they could do something better with than we did, right? I always learn early on in life that you... When you, when you leave a place, you leave it better than, than it was when you got there. So you kind of just make it a little bit better. I pick up trash. You know, I say hi to every people, everybody all day. My goal is to make sure that the, the cash register, the subway person, whoever it is that they see me and go, what the fuck is that? And then by the time I walk out of the shop, they're like, oh my God, you were the nicest person all day and you're a sweetheart. Da, 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 da. And they go home and tell people about oh, this guy, crazy guy with tattoos and fucking bandana looking like a gang banger or whatever, you know, came into my store today and really, really made me laugh and really listened to me and really cared about, you know, that, that three minutes of, of exchange that we get to have. So go out there and be a part of the solution, not be a part of the problem, ladies and gentlemen, because we owe it to our kids, right? Our time here, whether you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, our time is going to go by real fast. But those kids, those kids deserve to have leaders and people in their community that are showing them that you don't just sit there and say, my way is the right way. And they're, they're wrong and they're stupid and they're lame and they're, they should be eliminated. You sit there and you teach your kids, Hey, let's understand. So that's what I want you guys to do as a pay, as a favor for me watching the show and getting the value out of the show. That's your homework. And then, you know, during the week, as you're having those experiences, hit me up on social media and let me know what comes of that. Because when I do these little periodic assignments, I love hearing back from you guys going, wow, Chris, I thought it was kind of uncomfortable what you were asking me to do, but I started doing it. And it was pretty incredible how the other people like lowered their guard and those other people. And we found out that we had more in common than we didn't. And we wound up walking away actually as friends. And it may not always happen that way. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to our, our communities and our world to make this a world a better place. I am scared to death of what's going on in the world today. I don't know what if it's going to manifest. I don't even watch, hardly watch the news. I just listen to people and I watch what's going on. So together, let's make this world a better place. Okay, please. I show up here every single week to make your life a better place. Do me a solid and make the world a better place. Um, uh, we got Christina Davy in the house. What's up? She was on, she was on my show just recently. She says, so great to see you, Christopher Roush. Great convo. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my dear. I appreciate you coming in from Australia. we got Valerie Smith in the house. Uh, thank you so much for being here. She goes, yes, that's a great skill to listen. Yes. And we learned that in Toastmasters actually. Uh, Natalie says here, she gives me too much credit, but she says, you saved my life, Christopher Roush. I appreciate that, Natalie, but you saved your own life. I just happen to give you things to think about in a different way. Um, and you, you're the one that did the work. So thank you for that. But no, you saved your own life. I appreciate you that. Uh, Sue says here beautifully said, she goes, we are all here. Oh, we are all here to help each other. Yes, 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 yes. Valerie's down here saying yes. Amen. Um, and, uh, and, uh, my friend, Robert Brooker in the house, I haven't even talked about your name today, but Robert's in the house. He says, ain't it great when it does. Right. You know, so ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls go out there, be brilliant, share this show out. If you got value out of it, which I know you did share it out and put a couple of words on there saying, Hey, listen, I just listened to this conversation with these two tough guys talking about vulnerability and, and empathy and forgiveness and, and failures and everything else share this out. So together we can make this world a better place and, uh, and I can reach more people and with my message to help other people as well. So thank you guys. We'll be back here next week on the Ron and scripted show. Who do we have up next week? Cause you guys have been asking me, can you tell us who's coming up next week? Next week we have, we have, we're, by the way, guys, we are booked into October. It's fucking crazy. I'm actually gonna have to stop taking calls for people to be on the show. I'm not to tone it down. I'm like, I'm not going to remember who these people are in six months. So yeah, we're actually booking into October. It's crazy. So next week, um, next week is a solo show. You guys get me all by yourself. You guys had asked me about that before when I, when I pinged you guys, I'm like, what do you want to see more from the show? And you guys said, you know, you always have a guest on. We would just want you to talk. Well, sometimes I talk in circles. So I need, I need people to give me a chance so I can think about my thoughts, but we'll have a, a solo show. Then now uh, the week after that, we got another powerful gentleman. His name's Paul Roscoe white, uh, ex Navy, ex military as well. A uh, tough dude. He's doing 75 hard with me as well right now. He and his wife. Um, so uh, Paul on there. And then we got, after that, we've got three shows in a row, three shows in a row. Ah! Okay, Chris, let's, um, that's a blooper reel right there. Three shows in a row, three shows in a row, uh, potentially four where my personal friend and dear mentor, Patricia guy is going to be here co-hosting with me. I've never had a co-host on this particular show. I have a co-host on the unfiltered experience on Friday nights. So Patricia is going to co-host with me and she's actually bringing her friends in as guests. And we've got some amazing, amazing top tier people that she knows. So this is going to be really, really special. So this is going to be starting on May 2nd. Um, on May 2nd, we've got Orin checkmate Hudson. You can go check him out. He's a brilliant dude. Um, and the, but she's, she's keeping a secret from me who the third or fourth, the third uh, guest is going to be. And I have a feeling I'm praying, I'm manifesting, I'm manifesting, I'm manifesting. It's this fucker, Dave Grohl. She said that she's like a few people away from being introduced to Dave Grohl. And I'm like, oh, please, I want to meet Dave Grohl. I want to hang out with Dave Grohl. Imagine having Dave Grohl on the, on the, the unscripted, the raw and unscripted show. Anyways, I love you guys. Go out there and enjoy your moments. Be good to one another. Be with your family. Be present with your family. Be present with yourself. Love yourself. And we'll see you here next time on the raw and unscripted show. I love you guys. Peace. Cheers.